Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. How many of y'all is ready for the word today? Y'all can just hang tight. Just hang tight. I want to get straight into this word today. Matthew chapter 5. This is the word scripture that we read last week. I'm going to read it again this week. How many of y'all believe you came? God's got a word for you today. I believe that the atmosphere is set right now for somebody to be transformed by the hearing of this word. I believe this, this is going to, uh, I, I really do believe this is going to change somebody's life today. I really do believe that if we can take this and apply it to our life, how many of y'all know God has called us not to just be hearers, but doers? How many of y'all want to be doers? We want to be doers. Just a little review from last week. One of the main points, or actually the main points from last week before we read the scripture, it was this. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. I'll say that again, and then I'm going to get into the scripture again. I want my life to be so attractive, spiritually speaking, I'm not responding to the way the world's responding. I'm not walking the way the world's walking. I'm not talking the way the world's talking. The, the, the salt and the light, come on, I'm getting ahead of myself, but my life, I want my life to, be, to look so attractive that for people that don't know God but know me, I want them to want to know God because they know me. That was the main point from last week. I wanna read our main theme, our main scripture for this message again this week. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read verses 13 through 16 again today, and then I'm going to get into some more scripture, but it says this, it says, you are the salt of the earth. How many of y'all are the salt? Come on, let's wave your hand if you've been saved. You're salt. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men verse 14 but you are the lot of the world a city that is set on a hill that can't be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light somebody say let your light let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven Today I want to share with you part two of this short. I've just, just been a two-part series. You got part one last Sunday. This is sort of the series finale if you want to look at that. Look at it this way. Uh, part two of uh, Salt and Light. Today I want to focus on the subtitle, This is Our Playbook. This is our playbook. How many of y'all know this is kickoff Sunday? How many of y'all know we need a playbook? Come on, somebody. We need a playbook. Will you pray with me? God, I love you. And I praise you, God, for this opportunity that we have to go into your word today. God, this is, I believe your word is, is transforming, Father, not because of who's up here preaching it, but because of, of the power that it holds, Father. There is power. Your word is sharper than any double-edged sword. God, and I know, Lord Jesus, God, that you've placed this word in my spirit today. And I just ask for your anointing, God. Let everything that I say, everything that I do, God, we want it to bring glory and honor to your name. I want your reputation, not my reputation, God. I want your reputation to be honored and protected in this house today. God, I don't want to say anything that's of me, but let everything I say be of you, God. Nothing more, nothing less. Let these words pierce the hearts of this congregation that we would just be hearers of your word but doers and God I pray this prayer every Sunday and I mean it 
I mean it with all of my heart. I don't want a single one of us, me including, God, I don't want a single person to leave this place the same way we walked in. And I give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God one more hand clap of praise as you're being seated today? I'm already a little little warm. I'm going to take that jacket off. Have you ever lost one of your kids? You ever lost one of your kids? We've lost one of our kids before. It's actually here at church. We have an act for losing things at church. I lost my Apple Watch one time. We drove out to Dolphin Island to look for the Apple Watch. Guess where the Apple Watch was? At church. I lost my wedding ring one time. Where's Adam at back there? Is he, did he walk out to listen to the live stream? I was helping, helping Adam and Logan lead worship and, and Kayla lead worship over in Mississippi somewhere, out in the middle of nowhere. I take my wedding ring off when I play drums, and I'm like, come back. Guess what? No wedding ring. So guess where I drive to look for the wedding ring? Back over to Mississippi. Guess where I found the wedding ring? As a matter of fact, it was probably somewhere about right here. Or was that you? You found it for me, didn't you? It was like, hey, pastor, I don't know. I found this on the stage. Would you happen to be looking? Yeah, that's my, that's my ring. That's my ring. But we lost one of our kids here at church one day. We were just working. It was before this building was even built. We were over in the Life Center. And you know what? You can think whatever you want to think about our staff. You know, when we're here working, we've got kids, especially in the summertime, our kids are like free-range chickens around this place. I mean, we come, we do what we got to do, and we just, they, they just, this is their second home. This is their second home. And so all the kids were over there in the nursery, just, just hanging out, having a good old time, except one, Kaysen. Kaysen was nowhere to be found. Now, I don't know about you, but when a kid is lost, you care nothing about the other kids at that point, do you? Your sole responsibility is to find the lost kid. You know, it sort of reminds me of the stories, the parables of the lost coin, the parables of the lost son, the parable of the lost sheep. How many of y'all know that the main focus on all of those parables is the thing that is lost or the one that is lost. The one that is lost becomes the main focus of it all. Basically, the 99, it's like Jesus. I, here's what, if you'll allow me a little bit of liberty this morning. It's like, I, I, I think Jesus looks at our worship service and, and he sees forward church congregation down here on Sunday morning and we're clapping and we're praising God. I think, and he's looking at us and he's saying, man, that is awesome. And then immediately his attention shifts from us worshiping to the one that is lost. I think Jesus is so focused on the one that is lost. He, he, he's grateful and he's thankful that he has a church, that he has a people that is worshiping him, that, that loves him, that is serving him. But I, I, I think that, that as soon as he sees it and as soon as, man, his heart loves it and he, he, he consumes, he inhabits the praises of his people, but I think his attention immediately goes to the lost, the hurting, the dying, the broken of this world. 
and says, that is where my attention is. That's where my main focus is. Thank God that we have a church that loves to worship and loves to praise, but I believe God's main heart and main focus is the one that is lost, the one that is hurting. And as a matter of fact, if you read all those parables, the focus was always on the one that was lost. And that has to be what we're all about too. That has to be what we are about. That has to be, look at your neighbor and say, that's what we're about. Look at your other neighbor because they don't really know what to think about the church service and the preacher asking us to participate. You know what? Because we all come from different backgrounds where we're, we're, we're to be quiet in church. But here this preacher is asking me to actually say something in church. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what we're about. See, we don't exist for who is currently here. We exist for the ones who are not here. That's the, that's the main focus. And while we want everybody to move forward together, we want you to be discipled. We want you to grow. Nobody has arrived. And if you think you've arrived, come talk to me after church. I would love to see how perfect your life is. So if you think you've arrived, we've, see, we, we've never arrived this side of eternity. We've all, we're all moving forward together. We're all growing together. But at the same time, our main focus is all about souls. So at the same time, we're moving forward together. We're saying, praise God that he saved me. He picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I thank God. But at the same time, my heart and my passion and my focus is not me. But it's that one that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2 and 9 Actually, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of y'all love that scripture? I love that scripture. It's one of my favorite Bible verses. Actually, I'm going to have a lot of my favorite Bible verses in this message today. But listen to verse 10. We want 1 Peter 2 and 9, but listen to verse 10 who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have attained mercy. So basically what God is saying, I've given you something that you don't deserve. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Many of y'all have been noticing this. I've been reading the message translation a lot more recently. I love the way it just hits you in the face. I just love it. Look at the message translation. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something. Come on somebody, this is a testimony, right? From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Here's the deal. Here's the deal this morning. There are no longer some people priests. I'm going to just let it be awkward for a minute. There are no longer some people priests. It's no longer about a holy man in a holy place. We are a chosen generation. We, somebody say we. We are a royal Look at your neighbor and say, do you know you were a priest? Yeah. 
priest. You are a kingdom of priest. That you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Basically, you are God's instruments. That's what the message translation says. You are God's instrument to do his work and to speak out for him. The scripture also deals and it dispels one of the greatest myths about evangelism. Because you know what evangelism is? We think evangelism is to tell people how bad they are. We think evangelism is to tell people how bad they are, how sorry they are, how low down, no good for nothing they are, and they're going to hell. We've all seen that type of evangelism. How many of y'all know that isn't evangelism? But here's what evangelism is. We're God's instruments to do his works, to speak out for him about the night and day difference he has made in my life who took and made something from nothing. Evangelism is telling people about what Jesus has done for me. I was once lost, but now I'm blind. I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And that's the testimony that we share to people. It's not this. And you know what? I think if the church would do a little bit more of the other, I think if the church would do a little bit more of just let me tell you how good my Jesus is. You know, you know what, I, I, I hear you, I understand, I, I, I don't agree. You got to get both parts of this series. You ain't got to agree with everything. Come on, we're looking for common ground, not battleground. Come on, somebody. But the fact of the matter is, we ain't got to agree. But you know what, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but let me just share with you my Jesus story. Just let me share with you what my Jesus did for me. I was, I was lost. I, I was on my way to a devil's hell, but Jesus saved me. He changed me. He picked me up. He turned me around. He set my feet on solid ground. So, so the fact of the matter, he took nothing and made something. What does the scripture say? It says to tell others the night and day difference he made for you. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you will receive power. This is one of my other favorite scriptures in the Bible, in case you want to know. Acts 1 and 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be what? Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be witnesses. How many of you know you are all witnesses? You're a witness this morning. Your life is on the witness stand. Your life is on the stand. People's watching, people's looking, people's critiquing, people's tasting. Does your life taste good to people? Are you salt or have you lost your flavor this morning? That we're to speak out. We are to speak out about the one who's called us out of darkness into his mark. But but we're not speaking out. That's not, that's not for me. I don't really speak out, Pastor. I don't know if you know that about me, but I really don't speak out. No, the Holy Spirit will give you power to be witnesses for him 
You ain't, I'm getting ahead of myself. You ain't got to know it all. You ain't got to have it all together. You don't even have to have a theological degree hanging up on your wall. All you got to do is share your Jesus story because that's what you're called to do. You're called to be salt. You're called to be light. You're called to be witnesses. And we're all called to be witnesses. Somebody say, we are all called. We are all called to be witnesses. Here's three ways to do this. Three simple ways. This is our playbook. Y'all ready for this playbook today? Here's the first play. We run this play a lot. 32 trap. No, I'm just playing. Here's the first play. Share the hope that we have. Share the hope that you have. See, you can honestly tell people, I'm going through the same thing you're going through. I live in the same world you live in. I'm facing the same inflation you're facing. I know you've got your own circumstances. I know you've got this and that and the other. But you know what? A lot of what we're facing today is the same. I said this last week. But the fact of the matter is, you get to share the hope that you have. See, we have hope. That's what the Bible says actually in Thessalonians. The Bible says in Thessalonians that we don't even mourn like those who have no hope. Even when they lose a loved one, we don't mourn like, because you know what? Guess what? We, we're we're, we're going to see that loved one again one of these days. I'm just going to share with you real quick. This is a rabbit trail. 30 seconds. Can you handle it? I've, I've done funerals for, for people on both sides of the aisle. You see the ones who have hope, and you see the ones that don't have hope. It's evident. And you know what? You get to be a witness, and you get to pull out Thessalonians and say, you know what? I, I just want to share with you the hope that I have. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You're going to get to see your loved one one of these days again. We read this scripture. We read this scripture, but I, I want you to understand that People want to know that there is hope in this world that we live in. They've heard enough about, man, how bad things are. They've heard enough about how, how man, this is, this is the worst time. This is, they, they can, if you want to know bad news, turn on the news. Come on, somebody. But how many of y'all know we're to share good news? That's what gospel is. That's what actually the word gospel means, the good news. How many of y'all know the good news of Jesus Christ says, I have hope? I have hope. 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. There it is, pastor. Some translations say, always be ready to give, give an answer. I don't have all the answers. Well, that's not, that's not what it, it doesn't say that you have to have the answer for all of their questions. And that's where the enemy makes you feel insufficient. That's where the enemy makes you feel like you're not enough. It doesn't say you've got to have all the answers for all the questions that they ask. What does it say? Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for what? The hope that is in you. Give a reason for the hope that you have. You don't have to have all the answers. But you know what, you, the only thing that you have to know this morning is why you have hope. 
Why do you have hope this morning? Can somebody just testify? The one reason why we have hope, the one name that is above all names, the reason why I have hope this morning is because of one man and his name is Jesus Christ. I don't have to have all the answers. I just got to know why I have hope. People still ask me questions sometimes. You know what? I'm not near as smart as what some of y'all think I am. I just know where to go to find the answers. Come on, somebody. It's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is this. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was this way, but now I'm another. And you know what? I'll get back to you on that. That's okay. You ain't got to have all the answers. Just give them a reason for why you have hope. Really, you can focus on three simple things. Here's some subpoints to this one point. Point 1A, in other words. Let them understand how you realized that you needed Jesus. Tell them how I realized I needed Christ. Tell them, this is where I was at. This is my story. This is my testimony. I was at rock bottom. I was in the, in, in, in the pig sign. I was like that prodigal son. I packed up and I turned away and I left the father's house. But when I come to my senses, I was, I was completely going in a direction that I told myself and thought that I would never be heading. But the enemy through, through compromise was taking me in a direction that I never really wanted to go. And I opened my eyes and I realized, I come to my senses and I said, I need Jesus. I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm tired of doing things on my own. I'm tired of, of, of making a mess out of my own life because that's what I did. I made a mess out of my own life. But when I realized I needed Jesus, that's when things started changing. Number two, how you committed your life to Christ. Point 1B, in other words. How you realized you needed Christ and how you committed your life to Christ. Because here's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think they have to be better before they can belong. But what they don't realize is they have to belong before they can be better. Hashtag joy untweetable. A lot of people think they have to be better before they can belong. But what they don't realize is they have to belong before they can be better. I love Sister Jennifer and how she, she brought up one of my old sermons up here a while ago. Because I, I just, I, I, that's one of, actually one of my favorite sermons. If I could preach, if I could just preach one sermon every day myself, I would preach on the story of Lazarus. I love that sermon. As a matter of fact, I would just preach it every year, series. I might do that every year. Just, just unwrapped. Because here's the fact of the matter is, Jesus brought him to life, but then he looked at the disciples and he said, unwrap him. Unwrap him. Loose him and let him go. See, a lot of people think that they have to have it all together, that they have to get rid of all their grave clothes, they have to get rid of the stench of their past, and then they can actually belong. But what they don't realize is coming in 
to a body of believers, and it's actually our, all of our responsibilities to, to unwrap our potential in Jesus Christ. And when we belong, that's when we get better. How many of y'all know we're better together? Come on, somebody. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for that? <laughs> Point 1C, tell them the difference Christ made in your life. I need, I, I, I realized I needed Jesus. This is the story of how I committed my life to Christ. And this is the difference that Christ made in my life. Start right there. Start right there. I needed Jesus. This is how I committed my life to him. And this is the difference he's made in my life. This is the complete change that he's made in me. This is how I now view circumstances. This is now how I walk knowing and trusting in him, not trusting in myself, but trusting in him. Here's the second play. This is play number two. Y'all ready for this? Here's the second play. Share my church. Number one, share your hope. Number two, share your church. Or I will say this, share your small group. I'll, I'll say that because a lot of times people are more, um, whatever, comfortable coming to a small group than they are coming to a church. And there's been a lot of people that started attending church here because they attended a small group before they ever entered the doors on a Sunday morning worship service. And we're not just a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. Small groups is where it's at. And if you're not in a small group, there's now therefore no condemnation to him who is Christ, in Christ Jesus. So I'm not here to condemn you this morning, but I am here to really tell you you need to get in a small group. <laughs> How many of y'all know the Bible, the Bible says that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, and we need to leave that job up to him. Come on, somebody. Amen. There's enough. Anyway, share my church. See, we desire to be a church designed so that you can bring your friends and family that don't know Jesus, that is far from God. You can bring them to church, and they can have an encounter with God in a real impactful way. I'm just going to, this is going to be really uncomfortable for me, and it might be really uncomfortable for a lot of people in, in, in here, but I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm going to brag on our church for a minute. Is that okay? I think every once in a while I just want to brag on my church because I love my church. I don't pastor the church down the road, although we're in the same kingdom together, and I pray for their church as much as I pray for this church. I want every full gospel, Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching church to, to succeed in this world. I want the best for the kingdom because I'm a kingdom person. Amen? But the fact of the matter is I don't pastor that church. I pastor this church. And since I pastor this church, this church is the best church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm playing, but I'm not playing. <laughs> no, I love my church. I love my people. I love you. And the fact of the matter is, I want people to be comfortable inviting their friends and their family to church here, knowing and believing that they can have a legitimate, real encounter with the presence of Jesus Christ, and it can transform and change their life forever. That's what I want you to understand. I want you to trust our church. Who are we if you can't trust us? 
I want you to be able to invite that sinner that is far from God, the one that you know without a shadow of a doubt, that if they don't encounter God the first Sunday that they're here, if they don't hear something, if they don't feel something, if they don't experience something, then they're probably never coming back through those doors. But you can bring them here, and they can see and experience passionate, true worship. They can hear the truth of the gospel of the word of God preached. And they can experience God in a real way, the way church was designed to be. Not a religious experience. Come on, somebody. Can I just preach for just a moment right here? Not a religious experience of going through the motions because people have had enough of going through the motions of church. Church, as usual, has not got the job done. That's why there are people that can come into a quote-unquote church house and leave more bound than the way they walked in. They can leave with more religion on their back than than when they come in. But my Jesus, my Jesus, he bled and he died to set me free. And there's two commands in the New Testament that I live by. Come on, somebody. I love God with all my heart all my soul and all my mind and I love my neighbors myself and Jesus said all the law all the prophet all of these things can be summed up when these two things I love God and I love people and everything else will fall into place and I want people when they come here I want them to experience so much Jesus Jesus be the center of it all we give them a little Jesus in the parking lot We give them a little Jesus at the coffee bar. We give them a little Jesus in worship. We give them a little Jesus in the preaching. And then when it gets time to the altar call, bam! (laughs) Jesus. Because that's what it's about. It's about people receiving Christ. Share your hope, but share your church and, and, and trust that you can, you know the statistic is, I don't have this in my notes, this is for free. The statistic is one out of every seven people that you invite to church will actually attend. So just make it a goal. Invite one person a day to church. You get one, statistically speaking. But I hope you get more than that. Come on, somebody, praise God. Because when they look at your life and your life is soft and light and it tastes good, people will want to know God because they know You, that's right. Come on, somebody. Luke 14, verse 23. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and to the hedges and compel them to come in that that my house may be filled. I want you to understand something, that if, if the church, listen to me, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, to sound condemning here, but if the church really became the church, This place, this house, would be packed this morning. Uh, That's fact. And and can I I play, maybe devil's advocate is not a good term while you're preaching. Can I, can I, the, the fact of the matter is we're so consumed with other things. It's, it's, and, and, and can I just, can I just, challenge you for a moment is that okay or is it or is it going to say oh no whatever so here's the thing let us let us be challenged right here 
Again, this is not in my notes. This is just Holy Spirit led. I think the church has to, to reevaluate our priorities. I think I have to reevaluate. I have to be intentional about what are my priorities on a day-to-day. What is my mindset? What am I thinking about? What are my thoughts fixed on? Is my thoughts fixed on whatever task I have in front of me? Or am I task-focused or am I people-focused? Because in the center and in the middle and, and in the midst of all of those tasks that you are doing every single day of your life is something called, and someone called people. And it's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit ordering your steps, putting people in front of you that you can share your hope, share your church, share, last but not least, Last but not least, I'm going to go to point three, third play. I'm going to skip a few things because, I don't know, I just sense y'all are losing attention spans this morning. We need to share the hope. We need to share our church. That's the first two plays, but here's the last play, and it's the most important. Here it is. Share Christ. Share Christ. Share. Just get, That's the main ingredient. Here's, here's three things. Let people know there's a problem. There's a problem. But there's a solution as well. Don't just tell people about the problem without telling them a solution. Here's one of the things, here's one of my pet peeves in staff meeting. Y'all ready for this? Staff. Staff members. Always, always try to, I don't know, example this. Don't, don't give me a problem without giving me a solution. And we're good at finding problems, right? You know what I mean? Everybody's good at finding a problem. Like, uh, you know, building stripping. Y'all see it. Don't, don't, don't act like you don't. Y'all see it. Building drips every once in a while up here, having to get it fixed. You know, Churches by Daniels, if you're listening. Here's the thing. Present them with a problem. For all we're born, all of us have, we're born into sin and fall short of the glory of God. There's the problem. The wages of sin is death. There's the problem. There's the problem. The problem is no one is exempt from needing Jesus. No one's exempt from needing Jesus. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The problem is the wages of sin is death. The problem is we all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But the solution is the gift of God is eternal life. And it's a gift. Hell is not a place God sends people that he's mad at. Hell's the place where people are paying for their sins. There's you something for your takeaway theologically this morning. Because here's what the world thinks. You don't believe me? Poll a couple of people. Talk to a couple of people. And you'll really realize how misconstrued their view of God is. Because their whole theology is based on, on what other people from the world, what the worldly culture has told them about God. Or people who call themselves Christians, which is even worse, come on somebody, and are not what was the, st- the statistic I gave you last week? Let me reiterate that real, qu- real quick. Do I have time? Here's the thing. Because if, 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 
if people who call themselves Christians really look like Christians, walk like Christians, talk like Christians, take, taste like Christians, salt and light, and they encounter people that doesn't know Jesus and they witness to them that person is more than 88% likely to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior. But if that same person encounters somebody who calls himself a Christian but does not follow, really follow Jesus, then the, the, the statistic is the same yet opposite. They are more than 88% likely to never receive Jesus as their Savior. And I think the issue today is people have encountered so-called, quote-unquote, Christians who call themselves Christians but are not salt and light. That doesn't taste like it. So the fact of the matter is we all need Jesus. We all have fell short of the glory of God. Free gift of God is eternal salvation. The free gift of God is eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. The fact of the matter is, Romans 5 and 8 says this, God demonstrates his own love toward us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning this, listen to me, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. God's greatest demonstration of love, listen to me, right here. God's greatest demonstration of love God's greatest display of love wasn't while I was up here preaching, wasn't while I had my act together, wasn't when I was in a three-piece suit and a tie and, and you know, when, when people like to say, you actually look like a preacher today, pastor, whatever that means. God's greatest demonstration of love wasn't when I had all of my ducks in a row, but this scripture right here in Romans 5 and 8 God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were in sin, while we were messed up, while we had all of the junk and all of our mess and our life was in shambles and we were broken and we were, man, like standing on quicksand and we were sinking and we were suffocating and we were trying to just reach up for something. That's when God's hands reached down. And his greatest demonstration of love was when he picked me up. Christ died for us. He saved me. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Share Jesus. Because the fact of the matter is, no one's going to be saved through you. Through your witness, yes. But the, the name of Justin Driver has no power to save anybody. The name of Forward Church has no power to save anybody. I'm just going to take it a step further. The name Church of God has no power to save anybody. The name Baptist has no power to save anybody. The name Methodist has no power to save anybody. The name non-denominational, even though I think that is even becoming more of a denomination these days, has no power to save anybody. There is only one name by which we are saved, and it is the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. Period. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4 and 12. I love this because these scriptures complement each other so much. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among Men by which we must be saved. No other name under heaven 
Can I tell you that the best play that we can really run, other than sharing the hope that we have, other than sharing our church, the best play that we can run is share Jesus. Share Jesus. When I was in high school, we had a really good running back. And he was like the best player on the team, and that was really all we had. Come on, somebody. We didn't, we didn't really have a good line. I was, I was a lineman. That tells you something. I was 165 pounds, soaking wet, playing left guard. Come on, somebody. Then I got to play a little outside linebacker on defense. I, I like defense a whole, lot much, a whole lot more than I liked offense. I like that. Baseball was really my sport, if you want to ask me about that, if you care. Anyway, best play that we have, sharing Jesus. You know, we had, we had that good running back. And I always joke with people saying we have three plays. Desmond to the left, Desmond to the right, Desmond up the middle. That was, we just basically snapped the ball and gave it to Desmond. We said, hey, run. We'll block for you, man. Just, just go. Um, can I tell you the best play we have is, is sharing Jesus. Share Jesus. Just be that salt, be that light that God has called you and created you to be. There's a problem. There's a solution. But then there's a response. Listen to me. This is, this is the most important thing right here. The problem, you give them a solution. But then, hey, response. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Believe in the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 9 through 10. As a matter of fact, I, this is one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to leading somebody to respond to the salvation call. And it says this, Romans 10, 9 through 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, confess with what? Your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. As a matter of fact, can we just do something every Sunday? Little note for the for the tech team back there. Every single Sunday, every altar call, let's just put that scripture up there. Romans 10, 9 through 10. That way it's just plain. It's clear. It's clear. Last scripture I want to share before the altar call is Romans 3, verse 20. Can you handle that? Can you handle one more scripture? This is a lot of scripture. You know, Jesus, God is so powerful. God, how many of y'all know God is all-powerful? God could come knock the door of your heart down. He could come kick it in, bust it open. He could do it. He could, he could bust that door open and say, here I am. But what does, he, what, does, what does it say? Revelation 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and... Do we have that? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him. He stands at the door and he, he could bust it down. He could kick it in. 
He could, he, he could totally just invade your life. But you know how awesome my God is in His, in his love and His grace and His mercy? What He does is He stands at the door and He knocks. He knocks. He's polite. He don't just, he don't just bust up in your house. Uninvited. He waits till he's what? Invited. That's why a lot of times these times in church are called an invitation. And here's the thing. It's not that you are waiting on an invite. So many times I think we get this backwards. So many times I think that you and we and us, whatever, everybody, that we're waiting on an invitation. But you know what the fact of the matter is? He's, he's, already, he's already knocking. He's waiting on you to give him an invitation. So come in. Come in. Come in. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. And here's the thing this morning. I just shared with you our playbook. We've got three plays. It's real simple. Because you know why? we got to keep it simple these days. Amen. That's my, that's my thing. I want to keep it simple. Love God. Love people. We've got three plays. Share the hope. Share your church. Share Jesus. So here's the thing. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus, you just got the salvation message. In a nutshell, for all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death, but the, but the, the free gift of God is salvation to all who believe in Jesus Christ. And that if, we, if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart God raised Him from the dead, then we'll be saved. It's that simple. All the old things has passed away. All things are made new. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, you can say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I'm really not where I need to be with my relationship with God. Today is your day. The Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner gives their life to Christ. This year at Forward Church alone, we've had 200 people receive Christ receive Jesus as their Savior. Every single Sunday, there's decisions. And I'm believing that today, there's somebody here in this church service. Maybe you've never received Jesus, or maybe your testimony might be a lot like my testimony was. Maybe you strayed away from the Father's house. Maybe you strayed away from your relationship with God, and today you're just saying, "I, I need to come back home. I need to recommit my life to Christ. So whatever the case may be, Here's the thing. One of three things is about to happen. Number one, 
you're going to be given an opportunity to respond to this altar call. Number two is there's going to be people up here at this altar. We have an altar team, hand-appointed, hand-selected, who are here ready to pray for you with whatever you need this morning, whether it be salvation or whatever. If you've got a need this morning, don't sit back, whatever it is. And number three, this worship team is about to lift up praise and worship from this platform. Those three things and only those three things right here, right now, because this is the most important moment in this entire church service. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I say amen, these altars are open. God, I love you. I love you. And so right now, God, I, I, get, I get self out of the way, Father. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt, God, your Holy Spirit is here. You're moving, you're quickening, God. You're drawing, you're convincing people, God, that we need you, God. And there's no other name by which we are saved, God. And the best life that we can ever live, God, is in you, Father. God, you said that you've come, that we may have life, and that we may have it more abundantly, God. So I believe, God, that somebody is not leaving here until they experience the abundant life of Jesus Christ and what you have to offer them today, God. So from the front to the back, God, from wall to wall, I pray, Holy Spirit, God, God, convict, draw. God, let all people, God, you said in your word, if we lift up your name, all people will be drawn unto you. So right now, Father, I pray for faith, for boldness, for joy, God, and enthusiasm in this house right now. God, for excitement to be built up, God, for people to receive you. God, to commit their life to you and to serve you wholeheartedly from this day forward. And God, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, these altars are open. Hallelujah.